Welcome to the How the Why. With John Barrett Ingalls. Exploring and celebrating the creative process and the creative purpose of authors, editors, artists, and publishers that make up and inspire the 1888 family. 1888 serves as a regional catalyst for the preservation, presentation, and promotion of cultural heritage and literary arts. Let's get creative. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Today's panel is uh, the brief history of literary journals. So we're going to discuss uh, the wonderful literary journals that these two ladies are a part of, as well as Garrett when he joins us. Um, Literary journals are originally called little magazines. They have long been the benchmark for showcasing trends in literary uh, community. This panel will explore the beginnings of the literary journal its publishing process, and what new opportunities the future holds for publications and institutions alike. And before we get started, let's do a little thanks um, to the city of Orange. Let's uh, say thank you to Chapman University and the Leatherby Libraries and staff, Dean Charlene Baldwin, Ezra Noir, the development coordinator, Margaret Ellsworth, the events and marketing assistant, uh, and our wonderful panel. I'm going to tell you a little bit about our our panel here. I have these wonderful bios that are fun. So Melinda, <laughs> Melinda Hensley is the editor-in-chief of the Southern California Review. Originally from Indiana, her work has appeared in journals such as the Boiler Review, the Review Review, the <laughs> Ohio River Review, LA Magazine, and others. And Nicole Mormon is a self-described idealist with a passion for writing, music, and guacamole, yes, but only the true. good kind, no peas. <laughs> yeah, no peas. She's acted as a contributing writer for The Hollywood Reporter, Lifehack.org, Thought Catalog, and BuzzFeed for the past year, in addition to serving as editor-in-chief of Chapman's art and literary publication, Calliope. She loves writing humor, but occasionally lets her emotions run rampant in her nonfiction works and lyrics. Garrett Bryant lives in San Diego, California, where he teaches English and creative writing at San Diego State University. He is an internationally published writer of poetry and microfiction, as well as a contributing editor of Poetry International and Locked Horn Press. He's also a co-founder of Poetic Youth, a community creative writing program serving underprivileged youth. His work has appeared in forthcoming, uh, is forthcoming in Faultline, Harper, Pallet, Cordite Poetry Review, and Three Elements Review, among others. Whew. All right. <laughs> we get to a good start, and I already banged the table. <laughs> um, so let's start off by just telling everybody here and everyone who is listening a little bit about your journal and the history. And we'll start with Melinda. Sure. Um, so I'm uh, Southern California Review is a journal of USC. Um, originally started in the PhD department, but then was given over to the Master Professional Writing Program department um, in the 80s. Um, It's been around since 1982, if I remember correctly. Um, 
since then, we what we really kind of pride ourselves on is we're, uh, are we like our journal to be a reflection of our program, which is a multi-genre program. And so therefore, we take works from whole spectrum, poetry, fiction, nonfiction, um, and stage and screen as well. Um, so we get quite a diverse selection to look at, and we pride ourselves on being a very diverse journal. How long have you been with it? Um, ever since I started at MPW, so I've been there for two years. So Originally, I was just a, just a reader and did some administrative stuff, but then I was promoted the next year. And Nicole, talk a little bit about Calliope. I know you're in the younger stages, or you've transitioned over from Elephant Tree. We did. Um, so as we were saying earlier, um, the history has been a little bit of a mystery. Um, that, that rhymed. Um, <laughs> so on our website, it says that um, the magazine started in 2006 as Elephant Tree. Um, but as you know it, it you know started a lot earlier than that. So we weren't really given um, a lot of history about that. But what I do know is that you know, yes, it did start as Elephant Tree, from what we know, um, and then grew into Calliope, which a lot of people cannot pronounce. Um, we've heard everything from cantaloupe <laughs> to um, Calliope, and my personal favorite, um, kaleidoscope, which is what my dad calls it every time, every time. I can't correct him anymore. Um, but basically, what our magazine consists of is it's Poetry, fiction, nonfiction, art. Um, now, this can range from screenplays to, um, you know, generally, we get so many different submissions. It's so diverse and kind of exactly what you were saying. Um, and it's really great to see that. And what we've actually tried to do is kind of branch out into digital art as well. Because typically, when you think of art, you're thinking paintings, portraits, but um, art can really um, span across all different um, genres, and same with, same with uh, the literary side, is we are just trying to make it as much, um, make it more diverse than it has been in the past, and I think that's something that I've, I've loved about working on this magazine, is just the diversity that you get. You are um, specifically Chapman student uh, oriented though, like all of your yes. submissions come from Chapman students, but Do not necessarily students. Alumni, yeah, faculty. we have um, we've had some faculty works in there, which is which has been pretty cool. Um, we did try knocking around the idea of maybe expanding it, but I think for now, because we are a little bit still more small scale, um, we are keeping it to Chapman University. Melinda, we were talking. Uh, before and then we had a previous interview as well and, mm -hmm. and you were telling us how Southern California Review is in transition from leaving its connection with USC. Yeah so it's it's really interesting that when so when I got asked to be on this panel it was about the relationship between journals and their universities and now ours is kind of in the midst of transitioning away from that. So I've had two years on a journal where I've been connected to the university and got to experience what that was like, um, dealing with the printing process and dealing with people who, um, some, some people who know exactly what a literary journal is and what that timeline looks like. Some people have no idea what you're talking about um, when you talk about a printing process with them. Um, so I got, but at the same time, you know, you got to experience the perks of that, which would be 
particularly funding, you have an, you have an office, you have somewhere to meet, uh, you have somewhere for your submissions to be sent in, for people to mail them in. Um, and now that our slight bit of background, our program is actually being moved to Vermont. It's being relocated. Um, and this is the, the master's the, of professional yeah, 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 program? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And the journal's not going with it. So a group of students, so this year's faculty and last year's faculty on the journal, banded together and said, we would like to keep the journal. We're going to keep it um, ourselves, fund it ourselves. Um, but we're, we're going to start as an online publication and then do print on demand. So that transition has been an experience. It's very much in kind of the beginning stages because we're trying to decide when our reading period is going to be, like hammer out all the details. So it feels like starting over again, but at the same time, we really, um, we do have this legacy of where we came from and what we want to remember um, when we're building up from this new foundation on this new, on this new medium. And I, I appreciate what you said about art coming in different forms because I know that we've done stuff like we had illustrations this year, we had comics last year, but with the whole, like I, looking at other literary journals and what they do as well, a lot of people have video essays, a lot of people have um, like, you know, photography and even um, recorded stuff, which is just great. Um, so yeah, I, I think that the, the relationship between a literary journal and its university is an interesting one that provides a lot of benefits that you don't necessarily think about un until later. <laughs> so. You talked about legacy, and I mean, I guess you would have the option of starting a completely new journal, but having that legacy, I mean, you already have a readership. You already have mm -hmm. people who know the quality of work for decades now. Yeah, we, we have... Um, repeat people who send in year after year. Um, we also have, we have a solicited work. So in our last issue, we had people like David Lehman. We had people like Janet Fitch. Um, and that's because those are people that we as an institution knew, um, people that the MPW program knew, people that we could reach out to because we had like that community, which we still have, but it's just a little harder when you're not all meeting at USC for semesters at a time. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's a way to not only like practically pay homage to it because you know it's the place that we, it's the place that we came from, um, and we still very much appreciate it. But it's also, it's also practicality's sake too because if you change the name of the journal, nobody's going to make the connection anymore. Right, you know? Garrett. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. First, you know we're we're, we're talking about uh, the journals connection, the history of uh, the journals, but the connection to the university. Do you want to speak about? Um, Poetry International and, and its history and its history with the university. Okay, yeah. Um, so I was kind of doing a little bit of, I was talking to my managing editor, Jenny, uh, about this. Um, so it was founded by Fred Moore Marco um, back in the early 90s, I think. Um, I'm not exactly sure the year. We're on our, we just finished our new issue, which is 2021, and we're an annual journal. So about 20 years. Um, and... The idea was to publish uh, kind of the best poetry, which, you know, that's a, a broad um, spectrum of, I won't even get into that, sorry. Um, but the best poetry from around the world. Uh, there's an interesting fact that only like 3% of world poetry is translated into English, or 3% of any literature is translated into English, and poetry is even smaller uh, number. Um, so this, this idea is to sort of 
um, kind of cross borders and bring more international poetry to uh, the United States. So we publish mostly translation, um, but we also publish a lot of American poetry. And it's just kind of to bring all world poetry into conversation with each other. And so at SDSU, we're published by SDSU Press, and uh, the graduate students there uh, really do a lot of the grunt work uh, putting the journals together every year. So, so one of the things that, you know, I, I think we talked about having an office and having mm -hmm. funding, but that's the other thing that you brought up. You have a staff. You have built-in staff of mm -hmm. students that you don't have to pay that aren't expecting, you know, anything in return except for the experience. I mean, do you all agree that that's one of the important things about having that connection to the university? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not really a, that's just a yes or no question. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was, it was nice you had, because you had people who wanted to be there. Um, and they wanted to make the thing great. Um, and they really enjoyed being there. And I think they, like, they, they come in with the expectation of, no, you're not going to be paid. But it will, I mean, to be honest, it, it taught me a, a lot about publishing and what not to do when I send to other places um, and how to make my work look nice. So it's a, it's a two-way street. Yeah, I think um, I can speak for uh, my friends in Calliope in saying that it was a family to all of us. Um, and, you know, even, even talking about it now, I keep saying we even though, you know, I graduated and so did a lot of us. But, um, you know, you still feel very much a part of it. And um, when you come together with people who are just as passionate about you um, in the same subject and you're all willing to work together uh, to create, you know, what we do create with this magazine, I mean, there's nothing better than having that collaboration and having those people backing you and having that support. Garrett, do you experience that? Um, yeah, actually, the, for me, I, w I was very unfamiliar with uh, literary journals, how they function, how they work. And um, it was kind of offered, you know, we took it as course credit um, as an internship. We could do that for two semesters. So it really lightened the load for us. We could focus more on writing. And then we had, like, you know, the sort of projects that we could work on. Um, but the way that we split up the work in the journal is really interesting. We'll have a meeting. We'll get together. And, and people just kind of jump on board with what they're interested in. If someone really wants to focus on social media, they can um, jump on that. If they want to write book reviews, we publish those on our blog. Or if they want to interview poets. So there's really a lot of, we do a lot of different things um, that anyone can find like an interest in. Like for me, I focused on uh, the design. So for this whole journal, I just, like my, my work was working with InDesign and, and formatting and, and compiling it. And that's because that's I'm interested in book design. Um, so I, I wasn't really in, in reading a lot of submissions or for the contests. And we just sort of, I guess, you find your niche within mm. there. But everyone does. We, we feel really close. We have little parties, pizza parties, or, you know, get together and, and uh, hash out. When it, when it comes time to figuring out who won the, the, the next contest, we sit in a room and we argue about which po poems we like the most and why. And I think that's probably the most fun. But just having the university to, to back us, the foundation there, um, allows us to publish poetry, which you don't make a profit on in, in this world. So, you know, to get this work out there and, and it looks beautiful, um, yeah, without the universities, we wouldn't be able to do it. Is there anything stifling about 
being connected to a university? Like, do you, are you able to, do you feel this full sense of ownership and the freedom to do what you want with it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, without the university, I mean, we wouldn't have been able to do a lot of things that we did do. Um, I mean, for even for example, so um, one of the events that we had in fall was a spoken word event. Um, and I was able to bring in this spoken word artist that I had loved for years, completely obsessed with him. Um, and it was crazy because this is someone I never imagined meeting and, you know, getting funding through the university to have him come to our school and actually, um, be able to have his spoken word performance and also meet students. I mean, that's something that in my position I was able to do, but, you know, otherwise without the university, I wouldn't have ever had that opportunity. And, you know, it's just amazing what, can happen when you do collaborate with, say, the Student Government Association or um, University Program Board. Um, so it was, it was amazing to be able to do those certain things that we were able to do, and um, I'm sure that will even continue with the magazine as well. So, Yeah, that's, that's really true. Um, we got to take some of our like upper staff members to AWP hmm. this past year, which is a, a, write, a yearly writers conference. Um, this past year it was in Minneapolis. So we got enough funding to fly us up there and stay there. And it was just a really great experience. Like I had been before, but all of my other staffers had not. Um, and so to see them experience that was great. Um, the old, I mean, the only real hangups that I've had with being connected to a university is the, the restrictions we had talked about previously. Um, some restrictions are, um, under, are really understandable. Um, some, however, this is back kind of referring when I said earlier about people who know about literary journals and people who don't. Um, sometimes when you're told where you can print, um, that can be a little hard because they'll give you you know, you can print it three, these three places, but one of them only prints pamphlets. So, um, so that could, yeah, it, it can make things a little difficult. Um, but at the same time, I, it, it was well worth, you know, what we got to utilize from them. So. Um, yeah, the, the, the funding is nice. Uh, we, we are able to apply for funding. Actually, it's, it's interesting. There's, it's, it's also, it has, it comes with, um, it's difficulties because at SDSU, I don't know if it's like this at other places, but we have like three different um, sort of departments that we have to apply through and present mm -hmm. to um, just to get like $500 to bring a poet down from Los Angeles to read, and uh, which really sucks. But um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of nice. Even though we have to jump through loopholes, it's nice to have that money available and to be able to bring someone, even from um, like Belarus. We brought a couple poets from there. And... Uh, I think it, for me, I had, I had a lot of headaches this past year trying to get funding. And um, even though we were able to like get a little bit of funding to go to AWP and stuff, a lot of the um, departments, they sort of, it's, it seems like they don't really care as much about uh, the arts. And so when we were applying for like leadership grants and things like that, it didn't, you know, we kind of got overlooked for research that was going to benefit like the engineering or, mm. or something like that. But um, it does, there are a lot of benefits to being connected with the university that I, I see and it's the only it's the only way that we can actually put this journal out um, so I mean without them it, it wouldn't happen yeah. what, what about readership like how how strong is your readership now would you say like and I know Calliope is is 
only released here at Chapman. You print out your certain copies and that's it. You're not... It is, it is but at the same time, we're not um, solely distributing here. I mean, we, we had a couple members just take boxes, you know, home and distribute to, you know, family, friends, anyone who's really interested. Um, but I think readership is an interesting topic because for us... I mean, for so long, I was so upset that, oh, no one cares. Like, no one cares about our magazine. When, you know, I'm sure you feel like this is your baby when you see it. You know, it's it's pretty much like your child. So when someone rejects your child, you're like, well, screw them. They don't know anything about my child. But at the same time, you know, you have to accept that everyone has their own interests. And the people who are going to appreciate it are the ones that you want as your readers anyway. So say we have 10 people who read this magazine, fantastic, because they all really like it, mm. um, and I'm fine with that. But, um, you know, for so long I did try to get everyone integrated, but it's one thing where you just have to accept that, you know, it means something different to everyone. And, um, you know, that's the important part to think of is as long as it means something to us and it means something to the readers who actually do really want these copies then fantastic that's all we could ever ask for yeah we um so we have a lot of um contributors so everyone gets a copy and uh one of the things that we do since this just came out our office is literally half filled with boxes stacked up about (laughs) that high and um right now we we have people signing up to go in during the summer and um to put, you know, a couple journals in these envelopes, these bubble envelopes, and um, kind of sneak them through the, the university <laughs> mail system because they'll send them out for free. Um, but we can only do, like, <laughs> two or three a day. So we're just kind of, like, slowly leaking them out. But our last issue, 1819, which is a double issue, and it was huge. It was probably twice as thick as this one. Um, we sold out of it. It's not even, like, you, we don't even have a copy in the office. I think we have one copy in the office that we keep in our, like, personal library. But... Um, yeah, those are gone, and uh, I don't know if we're going to print them again. We're in the middle of trying to turn all of our books into uh, e-books, which is a hell of a project, and um, I think one girl had took it upon herself this past year, and she's been working her butt off the whole time. Well, it's poetry, and poetry it's, formatting into an e-book is... Yeah, it doesn't always um, work properly, and then there's all these different, you know, if you want to publish with Amazon, you have to have certain... Rights. I don't even know how to get it, uh, what it what it all entails, um, but yeah. As far as distribution goes, I mean, I've I went to in New York to the um, the poetry library that's there on the river. Um, I keep blanking on the name. Uh, it's like one of the best poetry libraries. But we they had all every issue of our journal there, oh. and I mean we we're all in we're in most of the university libraries. Um, I've I don't think we're in a lot of bookstores. We're in a few. Um, but mostly we sell um, online or in, at AWP, or people just get subscriptions, actually. Right. That's, I think the most of our sales come from su- subscriptions. So just people who know about us. We've been around for a long time, and word of mouth. Is that true with SCR as well? Yeah, um, it really is. A lot, of our, um, a lot of our orders come from our readership. Um, a lot of them come from our solicited work, too, because that, that really helped us out at AWP to be like, who's David Lehman? Uh, <laughs> So people were more willing to um, to purchase the book. 
And I, I understand what it's like to be discouraged because we have like this tiny little table at AWP and that yeah. thing is like just the the conference is so large and it's just overstimulation. You're like being thrown, like journals are being thrown at you for every, <laughs> because not everybody wants to take their box of journals home. Yeah. Um, they just want to get rid of them. But it's knowing that there are people who, some people who seek you out, which is really nice mm-hmm. um, for that feeling because they're looking for you. But the people you also like inspire conversation with based on like who's in there or based on what you take um, is just really nice. Like you feel a really strong sense of community because I mean, let's face it, most of the time people who are reading these are writers themselves. Um, but it, it is a part of this just big global conversation, which is great. Um, and actually we... I forget the exact number that we printed this year. I believe it was 500 copies. Mm. But I'm going to go get our last box from the last bookstore after after today. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we should. Um, and we, we're in the process of turning ours into ebooks too. And it's just, like, we only have a little bit of a little bit of poetry in ours. But it's still, it's still a hassle to get everything digitized. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we, I mean, we pretty much cleaned up as well. I was really surprised this year. It's nice. Now, in... 1996, I was a senior in high school in 1996, not to date myself, <laughs> but we got our first, um, had our first computer lab in high school, and we all went in and learned how to use the internet, and in 1996, the first online journals came out, and uh, and I'm curious, because, you know, back then, everyone's like, oh, online journal, nobody, no one's going to read that, but now, <laughs> everyone, there's this pressure, not just to make an ebook, but mm-hmm. to have your content online and available and and I know you all do that in your own different way do you want to talk about that process um like I know with with uh, Poetry International nothing's available online but you have these cine poems mm-hmm. which are kind of they they draw people in because the, I feel like the internet is probably the strongest way that you're going to find new readership at this point. Yeah, and the, those cinepoems um, were actually there. They were there when I started, and in my three years in the program, um, nobody ever did any more of them. I think they just they were like a project that started going on, and, and, um, and I, I think it would be nice if they kept doing more mm-hmm. of them. They're beautiful. And uh, we do the blog, and sometimes we'll post a poem. And we've actually gotten onto Instagram, and we do these collaborations. Actually, this is really neat. Uh, one thing that we do, and, and everyone should try to do it, but um, our art department with the, uh, the typography classes, um, we approached that professor, and she wanted her students to work on broadsides. Um, so we sent them poems, some of our own poems, and uh, we picked, selected them out of the, the journals and past issues. And we ended up with these beautiful broadsides that the students did for their work, and then we're able to hang them up in our offices, and we have all the JPEGs, and we can print them and sell them or give them out, and um, it creates these really kind of beautiful visual poems, um, which we're trying to put more online, and um, that's, it's, you know, there's just always, there's so many projects to do. I wish I could have brought some with me. Um, they're all in the office, uh, but you know what I mean, right? Like, they're, they're about, I don't know, maybe about that big, and, um, you know, any, anyone from, like, Marvin Bell to... Tomas Salamoon, I mean, basically anyone that's on the cover of this book, uh, the students did uh, poetry from them. So 
is, no, is there a pressure to have actual poems available from the printed issues or back issues available? So we've been trying, that's another, that's one of the things that we've been trying to do is like bring, put those archives online. And that's, um, that's kind of what this girl has been working on is um, kind of digitizing all mm -hmm. of our past issues and putting them up there for download, um, whether it's for like a small donation or for free. Uh, we also try to sometimes um, post a, uh, you know, a poem on the blog um, with a little blurb about the poet just to kind of keep traffic going through, um, through our website. But for the most part, we just we rely on being a print journal. And I don't know if we're ever going to um, be fully like online. Um, There's so much history in the actual. Yeah, printed. we're actually our next our anniversary issue is being published with McSweeney's. Hmm. Um, it's gonna be hardcover, and uh, that's like our 20th anniversary issue. Oh, that's cool. So that that one's coming out, I think, next year. So or maybe later this in the spring, I think. But I know Calliope and Elephant Tree up till 2006. All the back issues are available oh, online. Yeah, um, or yeah, uh, I mean, you know what? That's that's one thing where it still needs to be updated. Um, but no, we're we're very mainly print for right now, um, and that is one thing where when I when I started um, on the magazine, I was trying to get into online, and that's actually very much what my career is now moving in the direction of. Um, Whereas with Calliope, um, that was the print side that I was working with. Um, but I think in the future it would be great, definitely, if it could um, mesh the print and online. But I think there's, there's something very different about print that I've realized is when, you know, you can have anything online nowadays. You can post on Facebook and it takes like two seconds. Whereas with this, it took an entire semester, and we broke our backs to make this little thing happen. And, you know, you can look at it and be like, oh, cool, bye. You know, but um, I remember my managing editor and I spent about 30, 30 hours in total one weekend just, just mm -hmm. creating this um, in InDesign and going through and um, copy editing, uh, proofreading everything. We had a couple... Um, of our members come in and help us out, and it was great. I mean, I wouldn't trade that experience for the world because even though we were like, kill us, <laughs> you know, it was something where now that we look at it, we're like, wow, that was a lot of hard work that was put into that. And um, yeah, this actual object. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it's an object you can hold and, like, appreciate, whereas online, you know, I think the value of work sometimes gets lost in the internet and um, whereas when you have it in person you can really appreciate it for what it is so and with Southern California Review I know you started putting individual pieces from each right. journal yeah so we have um, all of our issues are available on like on our website our actual our online presence now is like fairly limited. It's mostly used as a portal for people to like purchase a back issue or to purchase the current issue because that's where we get most of our orders are, are from online. Sometimes we'll have people like mail in a form or um, contact us directly. But um, yeah, we, we were, I mean, we're mostly print up until this point. 
now it's, it's, it's kind of us looking at it and say, what do we want to do with this? Where do our, um, what kind of decisions do we want to make? And so we're slowly um, transitioning to that online experience because it is a different one. It's, it's, yeah. it's way different than being able to like hold a printed thing in your hand. And I think because I know that um, we like the, the staff have, have an appreciation we, of getting to hold the thing, of getting to you know hold your book when you're done with it. So I, I think that we're still gonna remain printing items just on a more of a demand schedule because it would be, um, it would be too, too tough to print every single time somebody wanted a book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a real, it's a real experience, but I, I do love the feeling of being in print and using print to its fullest, you know. So if you do transfer over to online versions, is it going to be subscription-based or or will it be available? Still kind of figuring that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, we've, had, um, we've only had a handful of meetings, some with um, the staff of the MPW programs, like the director, to figure out what they would be most comfortable with us doing. Um, and then kind of with the group and seeing what we're comfortable with doing, what kind of a workload we expect from this. Um, and what we'd like to do. And I, I think the goal is to just make everything an ebook and make it available that way um, so that things are a little easier and we don't have to, because we won't have like a, a headquarters or an mm. office or a place to like um, send books out through the mm. mail or like sneak them into the mail, which is what we've been doing as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think our sole focus at the moment is going to be on what an ebook looks like and how we can make that the best experience that we can. And also if printing needs to happen, if we have the, um, the proper things in place, if we have a, if we have a contact that we like, um, possibly someone that we previously used at USC who could cut us a good deal. Now we have probably hundreds, if not thousands of literary journals out there in the world at this point. What, separates yours what makes yours each individually um unique and something that people should be drawn to start with you garrett um that's actually a really good question i know that for our journal primarily the the focus of it being um a lot of publishing a lot of poetry and translation that that definitely sets us apart from a lot of journals who focus on um you know local writers or writers within the United States. Um, but I think it doesn't really matter um, if, our, if our journal stands out or is, is unique in a certain way, as long as people are reading poetry or reading it and, and they're going to find poetry elsewhere. They're going to go from one journal to the next and they're going to find a, a, a person that they like. I think that's the most interesting thing about our journals that we publish so many different people mm. in, in each issue um, from many different backgrounds and styles. There's experimental poetry and prose poetry and um, uh, you know there's uh, formal poetry in here. There's everything. So you know you can find something that you like and then you can jump to another um, you know literary journal that might focus on experimental poetry or prose poetry. So I, I see, I, I kind of visualize our, our journal as um, not only opening up the doors to other um, writers from around the world, but also different kinds of poetry and styles that you can kind of flip through and say, oh, wow, I really like this kind of poem. Uh, let me go find that writer somewhere else and see who else writes like them. So it's sort of like a a launching pad. Mm. Um, I tell whenever someone buys a copy or, or, or they're looking at it and they kind of they're like, oh, this is really big. I don't know if I can read the whole thing. <laughs> I like just put it on your, you know, your bed stand and read one poem a day. And um, 
you'll finish it in a year and then you can get the next one. And and that's that's been my advice and I, I do keep it um I don't keep it on my bedstand, but I keep one always around and I'll flip through and, and I'm kind of sick of this one right now because I looked at it a lot. <laughs> but um but yeah, I think that's that's how I see our journal is like a launching pad. Yeah. Um I mean our yeah, our magazine is a little bit different um in the fact that it's I mean it's free. Mm. Um and basically um very much grounded in the fact that it's student run. We had a staff of fifteen members um working on this and um I guess the value that I see in it is that we're showcasing talented writers and artists that otherwise I, I'm not even sure would get recognition um, unless they had put their work out there. And um, really what we act as is a place where they can put their work out there and feel um, rewarded in the fact that they have developed their writing and they've developed their um, artwork and um, there's some place to go that says, hey, we're like that too. We want to help you out and we really want to make you look fantastic in this little print magazine. Um, and I think that's that's the value of it for me is that um, it's really a community within a book. Hmm. I mean, it's something where you feel connected to everyone within your major and within the um, arts department. And um, it just, it's very much grounded in the fact that there's this connection that you have to everyone. And um, I mean, I'll even go through some of these works and it'll still just, I have favorites in here where I'm like, oh my God, I remember reading that and just dying inside because I loved it so much. Um, and I, I still, you know, I still love it, um, every bit of it, but, um, that's one thing where, yeah, I, I imagine, I'm losing my train of thought now. I, I, I'd <laughs> imagine too, because you're based, you know, you, you specify on Chapman students and professors that this is their first opportunity to get something yeah, published. Yeah, definitely. So you're giving them the experience of, oh, I get to hold this thing and see my, my work in it, and, uh, Hopefully, go on to to other <laughs> things. Um, yeah, definitely. Go on and, and submit it to other journals, or you know, yeah, expand on the work and and make it into a book. Yeah, it's really it's a great stepping stone too for um, people who are even just exploring the major. I know we had a couple members who <laughs> who weren't even in like in the creative writing major or. Um, you know, an art major, and they submitted to Calliope and got accepted and were like, oh, oh my God, I'm actually talented. Oh, maybe I should do this. So they switched over or even just started submitting more, and that's kind of the beauty of it because it's not just also about the arts community. Like, yes, it does make us feel connected, but, um, you know, it's open to anyone who appreciates it. So, yeah, that's the value of it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I, I think that one of the things that SCR really, really offers is different voices, like voices from all over. We get we get submissions f from everywhere. We got one this year from like Japan. We just yeah, yeah we, we get uh, when you when you run on submittable, pretty much anybody can submit, which is 
very much a double-edged sword because it's mm -hmm. great because you get work from everywhere, but you get work from everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, it offers everybody a fair shot. So we, we do get a mixed bag. And on that same token, you also appear in a journal with people like Janet Fitch. And you get people, we, we incorporated as many people as we can to come together on this project because it's a... Um, like we got uh, a local artist, Bernard Cooper, to do our cover. We got a play from Julia Cho, who's a local playwright. It's, so it's, a, it's not only a great showcase, but it's a community both with the staff and with those who s submit. Because uh, um, whenever we release our journal, we'll have a launch party. Um, and particularly this year's was really great because we invited those who submitted to us to come. And we had a guy drive from Arizona to come to our launch party, and he got to meet quite a few people who submitted to us. We had at least 15 people who showed up um, who had submitted to us, as well as like um, our solicited authors, plus people from the university. And so it was just, it was their night and our night, and it was a night to have this great, great conversation. And to meet somebody from a genre who either you hadn't previously appreciated before or you didn't know a lot about before and it'd be like, oh, so tell me, you know, tell me more about your poem. Can you read it for us? Um, what got you into this in the first place? And it was just a great way to add to a conversation that other literary journals are doing excellent jobs at starting and having on their own. So I think that everybody, every, every literary journal brings a little something, you know. What do you see now? Uh, the other part of being with being affiliated with a university is you only have a limited time with this journal unless you decide to mm -hmm. take it on and run with it. Mm -hmm. But uh, what do you see the future, your future in publishing or, or uh, working with literary journals? I mean, and we'll get to you because yours <laughs> is a different story, right. but after running Calliope, do you see that this is something that you'd like to continue with? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, so actually some of the members who graduated and I are considering creating an online version of Glybe. Um, and that's very much in the work, so I'm kind of hesitant to talk about it. Um, but um, as far as me working with literary journals go, um, I, I see myself going more online journalism, actually. Um, I'm actually starting a job on Monday in online journalism. So, Congratulations. Um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, but, you know, during my time on Calliope, I was able to have that appreciation for literary journals that I otherwise didn't necessarily have before. And I think that's the valuable portion of every experience that you have is when you kind of go outside of your own comfort zone. Um, and for me, I, you know, I, I'm not the best reader, I'll be honest. Um, but reading all of these works, it definitely ingrained this sense of, oh my God, I need to read this. And I would go online and start, you know, looking up more poetry, looking up more fiction, nonfiction. I was reading the works of members and you just kind of become hooked and it's something where you underestimate it at first and once you're in it um, you can't really stop so to say that maybe in the future 
Um, you know, maybe I will work on a literary journal in the future. I don't know. Hmm. Um, for right now, I kind of know where my career is going isn't really reflectant of that, but um, I would certainly love to work on something like this again. Just... Um, yeah, my, my, my experience at Poetry International was amazing. It, it was the reason we started Poetic Youth, which you mentioned in, in my bio, which uh, we had a community reach out to us and ask if we could come teach a writing workshop to uh, these Sudanese refugees and um, children. And we, we were like, okay, sure, we don't know what we're doing, but we'll try. <laughs> and uh, it turned into a organization. And now, you know, we're, we're, we reached over 500 kids last year. And so that's sort of, that's what this led me into, um, working with the staff there and, and just being a part of it. And um, we're also, Lockthorn Press was founded by um, five of the students from my program, and I just kind of joined on this year with them. So now we, you know, I've moved into that sort of industry. We, you know, we're publishing anthologies, and um, we're working on our next one. It's going to come out this fall, hopefully. Very cool. If we finish it, um, <laughs> but that's that's kind of where where I'm heading, and and I know it's always going to be sort of a part time thing, and kind of voluntarily, there's no there's not going to be much of a a monetary gain from it. So. Uh, it's really just a matter of putting in the work and, and getting out of it what I can. Um, and so I don't know if that's going to, if I want to work full time in the publishing industry or just do it as like a, a pet project. Mm. Um, mm. But that's kind of where I'm heading right now. So, Melinda, let's talk about <laughs> what you are doing. Oh, there's just so much. Um, well, I, I know at the end of this year, um, my co editor, looked at me and said, I enjoyed every bit of this experience, but I never want to do publishing ever again. Um, and surprisingly, she's still, like, she still wants to be on the online front because she loves organizing things and getting things together. But there is a certain aspect of like publishing a physical book that's hard. And it's, it's, it's grueling and typos everywhere all the time. Um, even ones that you never, that you never assumed would be there. Um, there's a, a lot of editing that takes place. But... Um, regardless, I, this year we're just kind of regrouping to see where it goes. And I know that, um, for me professionally, I, I've worked at literary journals before. Um, at my undergrad, I worked for Measure Press, which is, um, strictly, um, metrical poetry, um, strictly like form poetry. And I've worked for, um, another, another press in Indiana as well. And I, I like the feel of it, and I like the deadlines, and I like publishing a lot. And I, I'm excited to see what um, what the online community holds and how that's going to be different and different ways that you can work on reaching people. Um, for me professionally, I'm more interested in going into writing and, like, um, film and, like, television. Mm -hmm. However, um, I can say that Working in, working in publishing, no matter what you do, will make you a better writer because you get to read mm -hmm. everything. Like mm -hmm. things you never thought you would read, you are, you are forced to sit down and read and analyze. Um, and of course you have people who know poetry really well and you have people who know nonfiction really well on your staff. So you, you aren't just like kind of picking blind, but um, it, it, will make, it will make you better. It will make you um, translate that into your own work and it improves 
you as a writer and you as a person because you also have to learn how to calendar deadlines and, and meet them. Otherwise, you're not going to have a book. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what the future of SCR looks like online and what we can do to make it, you know, the best that it can be and still, you know, maybe pr produce a physical book for those who want it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, panel. Thank this you. was a lot of fun, Thanks. very yeah. informative. <laughs> This has been The How, The Why by 1888. I'm John Barrett Ingalls. The show is produced by Kevin Stanek and yours truly, with production assistance by Sarah Becker. The music is Mayalua by Bossa Zuzu. I wanted to thank everybody for your creativity and your inspiration, and to remind you all to keep making art. Thank you.